You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin our proceedings here today by calling in the spirits. And I'd like to begin at the beginning to call in the ancestors, to call in all of those people who have gone before us, who have lived well, who have died well, who have used their lives in a good way to come to understand what it means to be fully human. So I call out to these ancestors and ask them to be with us here today to hold us well in this circle, that we might hear the wisdom they have to offer, that we might learn to actually ask for their help, and that we might come to understand that there is no way around it, that the living are in relationship with the dead, and it is our job as the living who have the ability to create change, to make sure that relationship is a good relationship, to be in right relationship with the dead, and to make sure that we are all where we need to be so that the most benefit can come to all living things. So I give thanks to the dead and the wisdom that they have to share, and I ask them to gather around us that we might each feel today supporting us the legacy that they offer us through their lives that they have lived. And I reach even deeper into the earth, into that even more ancient ancestor, without whose dreaming there would be no ancestors for us to call on. So I call out to the earth, that being, that, that wonderful, exquisitely beautiful Um, presence that gives us all home. Let us feel in this moment how small she is, how we are all tied and connected back to the first people, and that we all have an equal responsibility to figure out how to be here in a good way with each other. So we call out to the earth and draw up from her the wisdom of manifestation. How are we going to be here in form, in these human bodies, in a good way, with all the other things that are here in form? who also have equal right, equal part in the dreaming to play out their role in the great creation of things. So we call out to the earth to give us that wisdom and let us remember to open up and to ask. And so to be here in a good way, we must be grounded and we give thanks to the earth for groundedness, for connection, for belonging. We give thanks for the beauty of this day and the miracle of life and all that is in this moment that is unbelievable and unexplainable. The great mystery in each moment that is life and that life force within the body and the fact that you are a piece of this great, great web of existence. And we give thanks to the earth for the interconnectedness of that web and the interdependence of that web that we might all learn from all those other beings around us, how to be more fully the humans we have each come here to be. And so with our feet firmly planted into the earth, grounded and connected, feeling the line of our own belonging, all the way back to the ancestors that we've called in to gathered round, bringing that which is good and true and beautiful into our lives. So with our feet firmly planted and our community gathered round, let us reach up from our hearts and our minds all the way up through all the layers of the sky, reaching all the way out into the cosmos and to 
all the way to the highest power of the universe and by whatever name you know that power to reach all the way to it to connect with it with your own energy to imagine or to visualize or to feel it however it is that you are able to be most strongly intuitive and to reach all the way to the highest power of the universe and by whatever name you call it call it down draw this energy down into your being into our circle here today into these proceedings draw it down into your life that you may feel the presence in your life of protection the presence in your life of blessing and of generosity and the benevolence call in all the wisdom of the cosmos to ride into you on this energy draw these energies in and know that you as a living being are one of the many creatures in which the energy of the sky above and the earth below come together and meet in that great Taoistic dance of the yin and the yang that is wholeness and is the deep deep true essence of love the love from which all life as we know it is born into existence as we experience it so we call out to the sky above and the earth below we draw them together in our being we ask them to merge in the dance and to come together in that energy that we might find within ourselves the true center of our own hearts and we call out to the heart energy to be pleasant here today and we ask the heart to do what it does so well and uniquely to reach down and draw up the great passions and the true reason that ex- we are here in this existence from our bellies and to draw that up from our lower chakras draw down from our mind and from our throat from the higher chakras clarity inspiration innovation to draw these energies down to wrap around the true passions of why we are here and let these energies merge without destroying each other but coming together to create a third energy which is our clarity and passion for why we are here and may the wisdom of the heart give us courage to live that truth in some way in this day no matter how large or how small so with your heart awakened the ancestors standing round the earth below and the sky above let us proceed may what needs to be said be said what needs to be heard be heard and all go forward in a way that is good for all living things so thank you all for joining me here today and i want to thank debra and david and all of the listeners who have donated to the show if this show is meaningful for you in any way if it moves you even if it moves you to discomfort or distraction if it moves you in any way allow yourself to step into shamanism at its heart which is to be moved into action through the heart through what has truth and meaning for you and so i want to give thanks to those of you that have donated a normal donation is usually around 20 25 us dollars and that's one third of a show just to give you all a sense of what it means to support the show and if it has meaning for you find some way to do so and if you cannot do it monetarily do it in some way that strengthens strengthens the community of this show that spreads the word that likes it on facebook all of these different things but lets the show grow stronger so that we can continue to be um, a presence in cyberspace that this information is free for those who perhaps have never even heard of shamanism and may find this to be their path to freedom so i ask you all who can donate to do so uh you can go to whyshamanismnow.com and click on the support button and donate any amount of money you choose to large or small and if you don't like paying things online you're welcome to simply mail me a check and if you just email me christina@lastmasscenter.org lastmasscenter.org we'd be happy to give you a mailing address so thank you all for joining me here today for this um final show in the series that i'm um call in my own mind the shaman rants 
guess I've been ranting a little bit about some of the things that I um, find we're dumbing down um, in our culture here in America, at least. And in that dumbing down, we are losing the critical, critical um, awarenesses of human development that are necessary for true wisdom, true compassion, and the true ability to make decisions that will allow us to actually all live here in a good way and in new ways. And so the first was a show on um, understandings and misunderstandings about spiritual warriorship, and that was several weeks ago. And then we had a show um, on what does the wounded healer really mean and how that awareness is being um, somewhat abused uh, as an excuse for people to stay wounded. And today's show is on the, the, the concept, the, the state of being referred to as the hollow bone. And I'm going to talk with you today about energy Velcro and the hollow bone. We are live today. Um, there is some global Skype difficulty going on. Um, so if you'd like to call in today, you need to call in on the regular landline, which is 512-722-3239. Um, we think you can use the Skype button on the co-creatornetwork.com site if you're listening through the site. And um, you are welcome to email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. Um, and you're also welcome to email questions about the shows anytime after. Um, I often gather the questions into a, um, a show about questions, about all the different topics, which I find really interesting, and it definitely deepens our um, slowly moving uh, conversation about shamanism and its application to our lives today in a contemporary world. So before I continue too much further with the hollow bone here, um, I'd like to give gratitude to um, Zen Buddhism in, in particular for its disciplines for developing the hollow bone. I'd like to give gratitude to the Native American teachers all over North America who have also taught this um, discipline. Um, this discipline is found in some of the, not the practice of shamanism, but the deeper training of shamans. And it is found in various and sundry other um, ancient mystical teachings. The hollow bone is um, a discipline not particularly owned by anyone. It's a, um, an idea, a visual, that is, um, of course, connected with humans all over the world. One, because we have bones, but also because we eat things that have bones. And we look at bones, and we notice the bones, which seem to be the thing that holds us up and holds animals up and other things that have bones, um, are hollow. And what, does, and what does that mean? And so we're going to talk about that here today. So I've actually just returned from Arizona. And for those of you that don't know, that's in the southwestern portion of the United States. It's very different from the land that I come from. Um, and in that it is desert, serious desert, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I guess there's more serious desert in the world, but um, it's very dry. At higher altitudes, it's pine forests and rattlesnakes. At lower altitudes, it's still more rattlesnakes, but it's more like cactus and juniper and things. Um, so anyway, we spent most of our time there exploring the remains of ancient indigenous people of this region. And these are people that took advantage of um, great natural um, sort of indents in the huge, uh, vast landscape there in the, in the stone faces of things and created cave dwellings. Um, into these indents, frankly, well, for many reasons, but one, just to get out of the sunshine, it's really hot there. They also created irrigation to be able to grow crops. And they 
did an enormous amount of rock grinding to grind grains and different aspects of their food preparation. And the men or um, carved stone axes. And um, what I saw in so much of their way of life, in addition to the fact that many different people lived peacefully, is um, repetition. Constant, monotonous, simple repetition in the grinding of grains, in, you know, as anyone knows who's farming by hand, the repetition of these very simple, um, basic to life movements, the grinding of a stone axe. I mean, everyone needs to go see a stone axe with your own eyes. And of course, you know, America, as it is now, the United States of America is a very young country. And we were looking at the remains of people who lived in this area in this way, with these very basic, repetitious um, activities day in and day out for twice as long as America has even existed. It's a long time, very successfully. But the point of this is this repetition and how when day in, day out for your entire life, your day is filled with these repetitious movements and these repetitious movements lead to the survival of you, the survival of your people, the survival of your community. There is this, this, this sense of always being on the verge of an altered state. And it's not that rock grinding in and of itself is some vastly important initiatory experience. It's more that rock grinding or stone axe carving or flint arrowhood chip, chipping or, or navigation canal building is, um, is this vastly powerful initiatory experience. It's that to do those things, move a person into a deep altered state. And in that altered state, people can speak to their ancestors. People can speak to the spirits of the land. People can speak to the spirits of the sky. They can speak, communicate. I mean, a woman sitting, grinding the grains or the whatever the foodstuffs are necessary for the evening meal could spend a good portion of the day in communication with her ancestors, with her helping spirits, talking about the troubles of her day, the challenges with her children, um, what to do with her brother who's not in good relation with his wife, whatever. And it's important to understand how deeply integrated a relationship with spirit was in their lives because it is this kind of what we would now call discipline. I mean, I looked at this handful of red-blooded, good-hearted Americans who did not have the patience to listen to the ranger even explain the markings on the cave. Couldn't, didn't have the patience for that. How would that man who wandered off because he didn't have the patience to listen ever create a stone axe to do what was necessary with the stone axe for his family? I mean, we don't have the patience today to spend hours of our day in monotonous tasks. And the, the point is, parallel to this, we lack the patience to spend hours of our day in a discipline of any kind, and in particular, a spiritual discipline, the result of which is um, often elusive. At least if you're making an irrigation ditch, eventually that irrigation canal is done, and it's irrigating the fields. Yes, it's constant repair. Eventually, your stone axe head is done. Eventually, the corn is ground for the evening meal, granted. But this is important to understand that when people's day 
was filled with this kind of repetition and monotony. It wasn't such a big leap to add to it a disciplined spiritual practice. For us today, with the attention span of gnats, it's an enormous challenge. And it's critical to understand, to begin to get a feeling in the cells of your body of what it would mean to truly have a daily spiritual discipline. And I think looking at a big rock and thinking about turning that into a stone axe would be a good way to think about that. Because that's what we are like. We're like the big rocks, and we need to be turned into a tool. We need to be turned into a tool that can create life for other living things. This is, this is what it means to be human. It's not about being bad or being problematic. It's that is the path of the human is we kind of start out a big rock. Well, we don't start out a big rock. We become a big rock. We start out actually pretty tuned in. And each of us needs to be turned into a tool through discipline, through practice. And most of it is not exciting. It's not thrilling. It's not romantic. It's not sexy. It's as monotonous as grinding for hours the grain for the evening meal. So, what I find as I look over the internet is a great vacuousness <laughs> in our explanations of these very important um, processes in life that turn us from a big stone rock into a tool that can be useful to other living things. And I find, and when I googled hollow bone, the first thing you find is an enormous amount of new age, just empty, empty headed definitions. Something simplistic like, to become a hollow bone means that we allow life to move through us without resistance. What the hell does that mean? So, no, that doesn't describe being a hollow bone. It describes a good day. It describes a good, normal day for a spiritual adult. Because actually, the ability to allow life to move through us without resistance is a great definition for being a spiritual adult. That, in and of itself, is not enough to define what it means to be a hollow bone. So if you surf the internet a little further, um, you'll find far too many descriptions of the shaman as the hollow bone in various shamanic practitioners' websites. For example, this is one that I found. The shaman is the hollow bone. The messenger who brings information back from the world of the spirits to our ordinary state of consciousness. He or she is the spirit's eyes and hands when doing healing work here in the ordinary state of consciousness. Now, while it is true that the shaman is a messenger who brings information back from the world of the spirits to our ordinary state of consciousness, and he or she is the spirit's eyes and mouth and hands for the work here in ordinary reality, that doesn't make the shaman a hollow bone. Because the shaman may get hooked by that information. That shaman may interpret the information with an inappropriate bias. The shaman may in infinite ways distort that message from spirit. um, Precisely because there is nothing in the training of contemporary shamans that requires that they become a hollow bone. Okay, and, this is my little sidebar, and any shamanic practitioner who is not aware that they are always interpreting and that they are in constant danger 
should stop practicing now. Constant danger in the sense of distorting the information and thus handing off something to your client that is less than accurate and potentially harmful for them. So any shamanic practitioner who thinks when they journey, they are connecting with absolute truth and that they are the hollow bone and that they are not needing to constantly be aware that they are interpreting and that they are in constant danger of a bias in that information being harmful to their clients should stop practicing now. Go find a job in some compassionate, caring profession that does not require this level of spiritual warriorship in your internal world. Um, not, this isn't about being able to access non-ordinary reality. We all can. This is about your ability to access your own internal reality and to transform that. So the ability to connect with spirit and bring a message through does not make one a hollow bone. The ability to bring a message through without any distortion, even the distortion of being human, would make one a hollow bone. So once again, the ability to journey and do the healing forms in and of itself is not enough. So here is an example of um, what we find on the internet. This is, comes from shamanshadow.com. Modern-day shamanic practitioners stand in the shadow of ancient shamans worldwide, experiencing the timeless travel of spirit and accessing higher awareness by transcending ordinary reality into a shamanic state of consciousness. Okay, so far so good. The shamanic state of consciousness can be reached through a variety of means, drumming, singing, breathwork, movement, aroma, travel to sacred places, meditation, hallucinogens, and many others. Okay, now we're beginning to reach a little bit. And the practiced shaman, sometimes referred to as a hollow bone, can reach states of um, shamanic states of consciousness at will. And at this point, the shaman becomes an extremely powerful healer and transformer of events. So once again, in the desperate act, and granted you, I grant you, I understand the desperate act of trying to explain to contemporary Americans in particular, but to contemporary people, westernized people, what the hell a shaman is? What is a shaman really without superstition and scary movies and a whole history of discrediting shamans that is the history all over the globe on every continent? So it's very challenging to explain what a shaman is and what they do and how that could benefit you. And it is unfortunate that it's so hard to make that explanation um, because, frankly, the contemporary world needs shamanism desperately right now. We're in epidemic problems that can only be resolved fundamentally through shamanic means in addition to other aspects of healing. And it is unfortunate that it is so hard to explain what shamans do. Nonetheless, we're not helping by spreading the misinformation ourselves. We're not helping anyone at all. So in contrast to these claims about shamans, which you'll find on many, many practitioners' um, sites explaining what a shaman is. Let us uh, look at a contrasting piece um, from uh, a site called Common Bread Blogspot. And this one in particular is by Robert Lester. I have no idea who this is, and as far as I can tell, this man has nothing to do with shamanism. But this is what he says on this blogspot. One of the things I learned from a First Nations elder was the art of listening. He would only say something once, and expect me to understand it. That trained me to listen, not only with my ears, but with my spirit, 
He is the one who taught me the teachings of the hollow bone. And this man, uh, Robert Lester, continues. If you find an old bone in the woods, it has been cleaned out by insects or animals and appears to be pristine. The insides are absolutely smooth. Now, this is my little note. Remember that. This is important. We'll come back around to this later. For those of you that have never wandered in the woods and found an old bone and been able to see that the inside is absolutely smooth. When, so Robert continues here. When you become like a hollow bone, you have no ego, no concerns, no doubts, no pride, just humility. Spirit can now come straight to you and straight through you. I was told the hollow bone teaching is over 40,000 years old. And when you rely on it, it never fails. So first off, blessings on Robert for not making claims for having mastered it, for goodness sakes. Thank you. So now let me make my point here today absolutely and very personally clear. I am a good, solid shamanic healer. And as a teacher, all of my teachings of my four-year trainings have come through directly from spirit. I ask every day to hear the messages from within and from without, without editing or censoring those messages. And I have been working at this for over 20 years. And the spirits have brought me to and through unimaginable pain to gain humility and wisdom. And they still do. I have committed my life and work to love that I understand from spirit is the energy and the point of all things. And I am not yet a hollow bone. I'm a really good practitioner. And I am not yet a hollow bone. There are still things I really wish were different in the world. I have moments of extreme frustration with the world. I respond as a spiritual adult most of the time, at least. But I am not a hollow bone. And yet... I do really good work as a shaman and a teacher, and frankly, as a woman and a sister and a daughter and a wife, but not yet a hollow bone. And I have yet to meet a practitioner who is, with just a couple, maybe a couple, very old indigenous exceptions. So let's look at another piece from the internet. Again, not from a website on shamanism. This is from um, a man, I think an American man, um, who now goes by Junpo, which is his initiation name in uh, Zen Buddhism. And this is from um, an interview of Junpo um, on menstuff.org slash columns slash overboard slash po.html. So Junpo's story, in his own words, are basically this. Roman, uh, Roman Catholic, al- alcoholic household, disastrous marriage at 17, booze, drugs, rock and roll, original wake up with LSD in 1965. Okay, so he got the picture and realized there were no shortcuts, no free lunches, and started a serious spiritual practices, mostly Eastern, not faith-based, however, but discipline-based. Okay, important point number one, he got the picture started serious, discipline-based spiritual practices. These were what he refers to as the pragmatic meditation traditions of uh, the yoga of India and the meditations of Tibet and Japan. Okay, so there you have it. He hasn't figured out who the right teacher is yet, who the right path is. Oh my God, dither, 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 what do I pick? He just picked it and did it. 
and started committing, like needing to grind the grain if you're going to eat tonight, like needing to create that stone axe if you're going to be able to harvest salt for your family, to fell the trees necessary for the, however they actually managed to fell trees with those stone axes, um, which probably wasn't the stone axes. But anyway, my point is the willingness to commit to the not sexy, not exciting, not ecstatic, mundane, daily spiritual practices. So let's see, Jun Po goes on. Then after a lot of window shopping and sampling from 1965 to 1978, I met my future abbot and started serious Zen training. Okay, do the math, people. 1965 to 1978. That's 13 years of serious discipline practice without even finding the teacher yet. So Junpo continues um, through this training to full ordination once he does find his teacher in 1984. Okay, that's one year shy of two decades. So Junpo is offering a training called the Hollow Bones for men who have completed the basic coursework of, I think, the Mankind Project. I wasn't quite clear about that. Nonetheless, he explains this training in this way. After we do our shadow work and get get a strong and healthy ego, it is time to begin to mature and develop a deeper relationship with spirit. Hollow Bones, the training, is one way to move from the undergraduate psychological model to a more conscious awareness model. It is an introspective, discipline-based way to move from fear and anger into contentment and compassion. So, not bad. You know, not bad uh, for a quick little interview. But clearly, this is a man who, through his commitment to a non-sexy, not exciting, not adrenaline-based practice but to serious, discipline-based spiritual practices can actually talk pretty succinctly in about eight sentences about what a hollow bone practice would mean. Now, it's not that he's claiming that these mankind guys are now going to take a week off in the woods and become hollow bones, clearly. But what he's setting up is this understanding that maturity lies beyond the psychological model, which we need to understand and use to become mature. But we are not mature spiritual adults until we are able to master our minds and move beyond that so that our mind is placed in service of our heart. And we can now begin to focus in on what have we uniquely come here to do and how can we do that in a way that is good for all living things and to understand that that is our only responsibility. And that is not to sit on this side of all of that psychological good health and struggle at it. But to master it and move on. And to do that, you must do more than sit in therapy. And you certainly need to do more than continue to argue about why therapy isn't necessary for you in your life. Nonetheless, I digress. So, Junpo's work here, not bad. Okay, but how? That is, of course, the great challenge with all of this information out there, but how? Okay, so, but how? Let's talk about that. So first I want to define energy Velcro because this is how we're going to begin to truly understand this. Did you know that Velcro itself was inspired by a burr getting stuck in someone's sock? 
Think about it. Now, a burr, for those of you that are non-English speakers, is a little hard seed pod, um, the pod that carries the seed that has little hooks on it, little miniature hooks on it. And it hooks on to animals' fur and people's socks and various and sundry things that move by. And that's how the plant spreads its seeds around the planet is by hooking those little hooks into loops all over the place and eventually the animal or the, or the person with the sock you know, takes their shoe off, takes their sock off, pulls that burr out and drops it and then that plant has just been transplanted to somewhere else and its longevity is insured. And the fact that there will be burrs to get in our socks are spread all over the world. So that's a burr for those of you that don't know that funny little English word. So when a burr gets stuck in a knit sock, it's nearly impossible to get it out. And this is what inspired Velcro, which, of course, is one layer of loops and one layer of hooks. Okay, and that's Velcro, right? For all of you who don't even know how to tie your shoes anymore because your shoes all have Velcro fasteners. Okay, so loops. Now, loops, quote-unquote, from, from the perspective of becoming a hollow bone. Loops are... The, are the energy within you that is unresolved. It is fears, it is perceived limitations, it's the stories you carry about reality, um, it is all those things that are often called your self-defeating habits, it is patterns of emotion, I always feel this way when this happens, patterns of behavior, all of those things you take to your therapist desperately wanting help to change. We all have these things. These present inside of us, for the sake of the discussion about the hollow bone, as loops. Those are loops. Now, the important thing to understand about every loop is within a loop is a tiny aspect of you that is locked outside of time because it is stuck in the unresolved situation. So it's just a mini, mini little aspect of you. Nonetheless, it is a loop. So if I have a loop created, a, yeah, a loop created by, um, let's go back to my fifth grade teacher who was um, sexually inappropriate, terribly abusive of power, and, um, well, just basically terribly, terribly abusive of power. So let's imagine that I got from this experience of being stuck in fifth grade with this man for nine months, um, a distrust of authority. Oh, that would have been appropriate. So a distrust of authority. So then every moment that I was tortured and humiliated in class, some part of me would want to crawl away from that moment and could potentially become that little part of me that's in the loop. And all of those loops are then available within me to get snagged in any moment in the future where authority is present, which may or may not be um, inappropriate with power. But I've already got all this bias now that authority is going to be inappropriate with power because of this experience in my fifth grade class. And so if you imagine again that hollow bone that we find out in the woods that the insects have cleaned out the inside, right? So we have this hollow bone. Imagine the inside of that hollow bone completely covered, you know, like wallpapered with loops, these are all of your unresolved issues, every story that you carry, meaning every single belief you carry that is other than the simple belief that you are one with all things, you are divine by nature, and you have come here with a soul's purpose. 
Everything is energy. Everything is connected. Everything affects everything. That's all the beliefs you need. So every story that you carry that gives you a belief other than that, every fear that is pre-programmed to show up in the moment, every limitation you imagine because of your gender, because of your sexual orientation, because of the color of your skin, because of the economic bracket that you got born into, all of these things are potentially loops within you. And every loop traps a tiny aspect of yourself. And never underestimate the power of your habits to deeply ingrain these loops. So what is a hook then, since we're talking about energy Velcro? So what is a hook? A hook is anything. A hook is anything in life that snags a loop. Anything. And just like going for a walk, at least in North America, going for a walk almost anywhere, you are going to get burrs in your socks. Right? So there are hooks everywhere. Now, learning to appreciate that, because ultimately, every hook is a gift. Learning to appreciate this fact is what I call in my teachings learning to turn over the stones. And that my students do learn a daily, unsexy, not exciting, spiritual practice to turn over the stones, to notice what hooks, what loops got hooked, and to begin to work with that. And I'll talk a little bit later about how we do that. But the point is that we all need to understand is learning to do a shamanic journey does not remove that wallpaper of loops that is wallpapering the inside of your hollow bone. Energetically, as beings, we are all capable of becoming the hollow bone. And that is a true state of freedom. And that is the, ultimately the value of it. So the, the moral of the show is the value of a practice of the hollow bone is freedom, true freedom. And until we do it, we really don't have true freedom because we are locked in the prison of our own stories, of our own beliefs, of our own fears. So the, the, we all have that possibility to be a hollow bone and to feel that true freedom in life and to inspire others to do the same. But the reality of most people is they're not anywhere near that. And so learning to journey can happen in any state of spiritual unconsciousness and any state of inner hollow bone hairiness with all of these loops. You can still learn to journey. You can still connect with your helping spirits. If if having an utterly smooth inner hollow bone was required to learn to journey and to be effective as a healer, we'd all be dead by now. Humanity would not have survived. I mean, do the math, people. So, entering a shamanic altered state is a skill available to every one of you. Those that are shamanic practitioners develop that skill to a highly refined and specialized capacity. And maybe some of those practitioners also develop a spiritual practice that moves them towards becoming a hollow bone. Those, I believe, who are deeply responsible towards that practice and understanding the damage that can be done when we misinterpret information and that we are misinterpreting information as long as we're all loopy, do have a personal practice of turning over the stones or whatever we want to call it that is a daily discipline. There is not one extreme moment you can have that's necessarily going to clear all of those loops. Now, true shamanic initiations help. It doesn't necessarily do the whole job, though. So, 
Hopefully, you're beginning to understand what it truly means to be a hollow bone that is not required to do reasonably decent shamanic healing and that the shamanic state of consciousness and being a hollow bone are not synonymous, not necessarily. And that um, becoming a hollow bone is a worthy spiritual practice for any human being, as is learning to journey. And I hope you're beginning to get this idea of the spiritual or the energy Velcro because this idea can help you take the issue the, the, the need to clear the loops out of that realm of blame and judgment, which makes it very, very hard to change anything, into a realm of simple, ordinary fact. Just like the need to sharpen a stone into a stone axe to be able to harvest the salt so your family and your people will survive. What is the salt you need to harvest in this life? What is your soul's purpose? You are the stone. How are you transforming the stone that you are into that stone axe so that you can harvest the salt for your people? You have a soul's purpose. Your people need it. What are you doing to become the axe? What are you doing to become the tool? That's what the practice of the hollow bone is. So, given our loops and hooks analogy here, Hopefully you can then see that many practices out there today, energy practices I mean, do clear energy, not the actual loop. And that's important to understand that they clear the charge of the incident. That's the, the hook snagging the loop and how that triggers all that past stuff. And all this stuff arises and it connects to memories in the past and they get triggered when the loop gets snagged. But this is really important to understand the charge and the disconnect that gets created from what's going on actually in the moment. And even for some people, PTSD-like symptoms, a PTSD-like response to the situation. These are not the point. Clearing that energy is not the point. And this is a really, really important part to understand. This is like really important point number two. Yes, they do need to be cleared. And thank goodness for all of those amazing energy clearing techniques out there. But you will never... Get back to the moment and your own truth. I mean, if you don't clear these things, you will never get back to the moment and to your own truth um, because of all of that drama, story, fear, and pain, and even the poor quality decisions that come from it. Clearing these things are not the point. We need to do it, but it's not the point. It's the loop that gets snagged. That's the point. And It's the only point. So there are beautiful techniques out there for helping people clear their energy. And right now I see people all the time that are so unaware of their energy and their responsibility as adult to manage their energy. They are so overwhelmed uh, by this energetic state that they're in that they need someone to do the clearing for them. And so it is beautiful that EMDR and... Um, healing touch and body talk and all of these, I mean, just, just to name a few, all of these really great practices are out there. I mean, bravo, it's excellent. And the only problem with all of them is the person receiving is not learning to do the clearing themselves. Now, as I said, there are many, many people, most people in America at least, wandering around out there that are not anywhere near a state 
of being able to learn to do the clearing because they're utterly overwhelmed. They need help, granted. But ultimately, you, to be a spiritual adult, need to learn not only to clear all that agitation when a loop gets hooked, but ultimately to learn to clear the loop itself. That's the practice of the hollow bone. So, it's the loop that gets snagged that's the point, and it's really actually the only point. And that's not only in the context of this conversation today, but in all things. The loop is the energy that must be cleared. We are not working, if we are not working with the loops, we are not anywhere near the work of becoming a hollow bone. So, this begs, I hope, you were sitting there saying, yes, yes, Christina, I get it. And I hope this question is right there on your brains. How do we clear the loops? That should be right there on your brains. How do we clear the loops? So let's start with something that I found on the internet because it wasn't all that bad. Um, and I've been kind of, you know, down on the internet today in the show. So this wasn't all that bad. It's entitled Steps to Becoming a Hollow Bone by Silver Eagle Dreamer. Don't know who that is. But it's not bad. It involves steps for the beginner, intermediate, and advanced practitioner, or person, actually. I think it's a bit tongue-in-cheek, which is good. Um, it does a good job of describing some steps, though not exactly how to take the more advanced ones. Because once again, it takes discipline to actually clear a loop. And there's no um, simplistic way. There's no simple book that's going to end up on Oprah, not that Oprah's on anymore, that's going to teach people how to clear those loops. So I've edited this a bit for um, focus and taken out um, Silver Eagle Dreamer's personal stories, which are not mine to tell, and I've just um, collected here the basics of what she had to say. So for beginners, the first step would be, first, life itself is your teacher. Where have you heard that before? Um, Life is our experience as humans, and if you accept life as your teacher, you'll never have that need others experience for the man on the mountain. Second, um, within that acceptance for life as a teacher is accepting also that which created life or is the source of life. So the second step here is allowing yourself to become more aware of the source of life by whatever name you want to call that. Um, And this is fundamental Uh, to growth and developing your gifts. So how do you do that, she says? By going within yourself and embracing what you find. In that embrace, the source of life is revealed. Now, that statement is true. But going within yourself and embracing what you find, I find that's something people run away from regularly. And my students have very serious parameters and teachings for doing that, and they still run away from it. So I can't even imagine what people are doing who have no teachings. I mean, this is correct, it's accurate, but it's extremely challenging for people to do that, and most people will not do it without a form, without a disciplined practice to do it. They can't just go sit in their backyard and do that. I mean, bless your heart if you can. It's just not been my experience that most people will. So... It's a big step for beginners, but remember, that was still a beginner step. So third, demystify and simplify your experiences. Insist on it. Life is. We are. 
You shouldn't have to stand on your head in the perfect corner of the house to gain wisdom. It should be as simple as opening yourself to what life has to teach you through your experiences to gain wisdom because it's all around us for the knowing and the experiencing. Once again, true, and it's still a tricky part and still basic. Okay, so yes, and most people are unable to accurately discern what life is teaching them without a discipline to learn to discern that. Why? Because most people think the problem is outside of themselves, right? And so uh, should that discipline itself be painfully simple and demystified? Yes. Should it involve having to stand on your head in the perfect corner of the house to gain wisdom? No. So her statement is correct. However, most people need a discipline, steps to follow to be able to do this. Um, And... The thing is, to actually open themselves in our contemporary world, it's very hard for people to give themselves a permission to disengage when they are disengaged and alienated and closed-hearted and tend to blame the world for being the reason they've done that. And so we have to find a way to move through that. And most people need a discipline, need some kind of spiritual practice that they do regularly. And some days are, it seems like nothing's happening and then there'll suddenly be a breakthrough. Nonetheless, the step is accurate. Now she moves on to the intermediate. So fourth, everything we experience is in the now. You may not think so if you're recalling something from the past, but you're recalling it in the now, not then. So bringing your thoughts, emotions, ideas, and dreams into the moment becomes a great tool for your growth as a hollow bone. Well, yes, and (laughs) I have yet to meet anyone who has actually done this without a disciplined spiritual practice, particularly because there's a lot going on when we do bring our thoughts, emotions, ideas, and dreams into the moment. And then once there, what do we do with them? So these are two aspects um, and both are part of becoming a hollow bone, but I have yet to meet the person who can do those two things without a discipline. So fifth, she continues, become unknowing. That's where wonder is. As adults, we, find our, uh, we fill ourselves up with how things should be. That's the becoming a rock part, by the way. And she continues, or how we should work, and in doing so, we limit an experience that can be as unlimited as the wonder of a child. Consider all that you read as advice or at most guidelines. And um, this is nothing is the be-all and end-all of how things work spiritually. And when you are unknowing, there are no answers, no limits, and no destinations. So, yes, and, (laughs) as I said above, remember this is an intermediate step, but I'm sure you're beginning to get the point. Um, These are intermediate steps to becoming a hollow bone, and we've already moved deeply into practices that most people cannot do by simply sitting. They need steps to follow. Um, Tried and true over time steps to follow. So anyway, sixth, moving right along, cultivate self-trust. Get to know you and trust you so that you have an anchor based on that and not arrogance. Life is not arrogant. Trees do not judge one another on their foliage or lack thereof. Rain doesn't decide to fall on only one flower and not others. If we're to embrace the natural forces to bring ourselves closer to that, there can be no arrogance. No lesson that life has to share can be below you for you to learn. Cultivate self-trust. And then her advanced step is to open yourself. You can only go so far by practicing your abilities. Eventually, you will need to take that final leap into the abyss and open yourself to it. In opening yourself, you allow that which you consider to be the source of life to touch you instead of reaching you. 
uh, instead of you reaching out to it. The defining element in this stage of becoming hollow is the utter lack of control you feel, and that's what you have to get past in order to achieve this. This is the turning point in your training as a hollow bone, and it is only the turning point. So this is the essence of the process that I teach. You will not be able to learn it from this um, podcast, but it's uh, at least you know there's a process out there that you could choose to learn. So first you need to notice that your loop got snagged by a hook. And then you need to discern what actually got snagged. And then step three, and there is a practice for each of these steps. Each one has its own practice. Not that that's complicated. They're very simple practices. But each one has its own step until you learn to do that without having to go through all the steps to walk yourself there. Once you can trust your ability to find and follow the energy, then you don't need all the steps. But as I said, for most people, that takes a few years. It took me six, and I was doing it every day. Okay, so step three. Feel the energy that you found, that is the actual energy of the loop, in your body. Now, this is the missing piece in all of the practices I found out there on the internet. No one can feel for you. People can do a lot of things for you, but no one can feel for you. And this is why all of those beautiful clearing techniques are clearing energy, but they aren't clearing the loops. You must feel the path and follow it to find the energy that is ultimately the loop. It will shape shift through your body. And between your realms of being, in other words, shape shift from um, physical sensation to emotion to ideas, beliefs, memories into something spiritual like remembering a dream and back into the body again, it will shape shift as it runs away from you. (laughs) So you must stay with that energy. You can pause, but you cannot be seduced away. And so this practice requires honesty, tenacity, compassion, and discipline. So you must follow the path back in time to unfold your awareness of what actually created the loop, the fundamental energy that keeps getting snagged. Now, once you're there at the loop, there's several different things um, that will need to happen depending on what the actual nature of the loop is. Once again, this practice involves skills, not just one skill, but skills. So in, in our practice, um, There is learning to release energies if these are kind of like energies or artifacts, meaning blocks, holes in your energy, other people or beings present in your energy, things like that. You may need to resolve the energy of the loop, which which, um, is used when the loop consists of a memory or a story that is present with characters and that ultimately you need to find the origin story. The moment in your life that you lay this storyline down as your truth, that first one, and and resolve that story in a different way there. The third thing you might need to do is dismantle. Often what you find at the center of the loop, energetically speaking, is um, a belief or a story um, similar to the one above, but a story that basically just says, this is why this is the truth. This usually presents not as a memory, but simply as a talking head that just repeats the same thing over and over again. And the logic of that will need to be dismantled. So that's the transformational step. And there are different things that might need to happen based on what you find. Once that's done, the next step is to clear all that you find energetically. And there must be a discharge in some way. Emotionally, energetically, there must be a discharge or the energy has not been cleared. So that means emotionally, 
Some people do a really good job of separating, clearing from emotional stuff. And emotionally, partly because most practices are meditative and have a certain kind of, often when they're not practiced correctly, have a disconnection from the emotion. But this emotional piece is important in the energy that is discharged. And, it, uh, and it's also important that you don't get caught up in the emotions and just begin to cycle in the emotions. Uh, the next to the last step is to recover yourself. If some aspect of you um, was not caught in that loop, there would be no loop. You know, deal with that reality, okay? You are there or that loop would not exist. In a sense, it is you holding on to yourself in an unresolved situation. And so your job is to go back and resolve it differently. And so the fact that there is an aspect of your energy in a loop is the absolute energetic truth. So if you have a loop, you have some aspect of yourself in it that needs to be recovered. And once it's recovered, meaning brought out of the loop and back into your energy in present time, then you need to implement or integrate that energy in yourself in some way. In other words, begin to use it. Begin to make it real in your life. So unfortunately... For the value of this show, I am beginning to run out of time. So I talked a little bit already, though, about freedom. So what of the freedom that arises from committing to this ancient discipline of becoming the hollow bone with passionate commitment to the process and non-attachment to the outcome? At the very least, you would become a spiritual adult. Even if you never become a hollow bone, you will become a spiritual adult. And that is a huge improvement in the quality of life for most contemporary Americans and, dare I say, Western thinkers around the world. The quality of decisions that would come out of herds of spiritual adults would change everything in one generation. Just one generation. But for that to happen, we need some adults doing the deciding, making the decisions. But what would you get from the practice of becoming the hollow bone beyond becoming a spiritual adult. You would get control over your personal state regardless of external energies. And out of that could ultimately come joy, actual joy that comes only from being accountable to yourself and being fully present. So how could you begin that today? Visualize the hollow bone within you. Now see the loops in that hollow cavity. Let them populate the interior of that bone. Risk the honesty of seeing all of those loops. See those loops in all of their beauty. Each loop is you. A little bit of you that you don't gain the benefit from because he or she is sad, disconnected, afraid, angry, maybe lonely, but for whatever reason is trapped in that loop. See a little you inside each of those loops who just noticed that finally you are looking within and paying attention. See all the little yous in each of the loops waving at you, happy to see you, carrying that little spark of hope that could become joy. In all of those loops in the center of your bone. Commit to just one of those little selves waving at you, trapped in one of those loops. Commit to that little you waving. Hi, you're finally looking. Yay. Commit. Smile at that little mini you 
and send that you trapped in that loop a message that you are coming. Now shift your awareness and reach out from the heart, out into life, and ask life to bring you the hook that will take you to that loop to rescue that little part of yourself. Thank you, everyone, for joining me today. I thank the ancestors around, the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. I hope you'll join us next week as we have a wonderful interview with Stephen Bear talking about how the spirits make us better humans. Thank you all for joining me. Have a great week.